the Ben Garcia show. Yeah. Woo. Best show in the land. Yup. Uh. Listen. Come and get your information from Ben Garcia. Get the latest on your quarterback, running backs, and receivers. Tune in so any other show you don't need him. Any news that he giving out, please just believe him. Giving out the latest prediction and top-notch analysis. Want to hear the truth? Better have thick skin like Callis. The latest move that your team just made can be damaging. One of the dudes ain't speaking no facts. They just be rambling. Camera action. Turn on the show. Go get the cameraman. Yeah. Lights, camera, action, turn on the show. Go get the cameraman. What's up? Welcome in to yet another edition of the Ben Garcia Show. Thank you so much for making us a part of your day. Whether you listen on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, for free on the iHeartRadio app, or you're that weirdo, we're just joking, we just poke some fun, and you're that guy that wants to put a face to the voice, and you are watching on YouTube. We appreciate it. Thank you for liking sharing, subscribing. We had a great week on social media last week, surpassed over 200 subscribers. So thank you so much for continuously making this show possible. Sooner fans are behind me. Huge clip last week talking a little bit of OU and USC. Sooner Nation, a big fan of the show. That is until I inevitably critique their team as well with no rhyme or reason and just absolutely firing opinions that no one asked for. Coming up on today's show, we have the 49ers in a little bit of trouble. We saw Brock Purdy. What do I think of Brock? Is he still a top 10 quarterback? Am I going to rescind my half apology? We will talk about it. Justin Herbert, I teased this a couple of weeks ago. I said, you know what? We need to start looking at Justin Herbert a little bit more like we look at other quarterbacks. I took some heat. We'll revisit that. But before we get into any of that, let's get into our top story. I talked about it earlier. Talked some OU USC last week. No OU this week. But let's get started with the University of Southern California, the USC Trojans. So I talked about this last week. I mentioned that USC is... Nowhere near the best team in the Pac-12. The Pac-12 is very loaded this year. So it's not exactly a harsh reality for USC to be told they're not a top team, uh, top two team in the Pac-12. But at this point, I don't think USC is a top three team. I think Utah's better. I think uh, Washington is miles better than USC. Oregon, miles better than USC. And Oregon State is a sneaky good team as well. But I digress a little bit from USC. We saw it a little bit exposed with USC going up against Notre Dame. And some really not-so-timely things came out for Caleb Williams that I did not love. Now listen, for those that know, I'm an Arizona Cardinal fan. I was one of those people that, you know what, I, I don't tend to watch games or root for teams like I used to as a fan, but there'll always be that fandom there where I am rooting for that team, where I am a Cardinals fan through and through. But at the start of the Cardinals season, I was like, you know what? I love Kyler Murray. I think Kyler is awesome. But if you can restart the clock, go get Caleb Williams. I was all in on the tank. And I think I might have been a little bit brainwashed by that. Now, listen here when I say this. Caleb Williams is a little overrated. A little overrated. You know, people will look at me and say, oh, this guy's a hater. This guy will say anything for clicks. No. Overrated just means to the whole population, the way that they rate him is higher than what I would rate him. 
Caleb Williams, if he stepped into the NFL right now, I probably couldn't find 10 quarterbacks uh, better than Caleb Williams. I probably just couldn't. Caleb Williams is a transcendent talent. I probably couldn't find eight quarterbacks better than Caleb Williams. But I could find six, seven, five quarterbacks better than Caleb Williams right now in the NFL. And I don't think that's crazy. So when I see a story that comes up and says, yeah, Caleb Williams, he's going to ask for partial ownership of the team that drafts him or um, a stake in ownership, whatever that looks like. He wants to be part of the team. He wants to have some stake in the team. So when I see Caleb Williams ask for a partial of the team or stake in the team or a minority owner, whatever it looks like to get a piece of the team that Caleb Williams wants. I think that's crazy. I think low sports self-esteem teams do that. Chicago Bears do that. The New York Jets do that. The Arizona Cardinals do that. Organizations that have been largely living in dysfunction for a long time do that. You should never do this. Now, let me just preface this before I go too far on a tangent here. This is not possible. Caleb Williams will not get stake in a team. He will not get ownership in a team. He won't get any of that. The NFL does not want that. That's an ugly, that's a stupid look to give an 18 or 19-year-old that much power. No 18, no 19-year-old should have that much power that early on in their career. I can say with full transparency, Caleb Williams is the best quarterback in the draft. And I don't think it's particularly close, although I do like Michael Penix a lot more week by week. He's no Caleb Williams. But for a quarterback that hasn't played a snap in the NFL to ask for minority ownership, a stake in the team, whatever it looks like, is absolutely insane. We saw this with Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers, when he got traded to the Jets, also wanted part ownership of the team, part of a stake in the team, and the NFL stepped in and basically said, yeah, no, no, we're not doing that. That's way too much power for a player to have. And it's one thing for Aaron Rodgers to ask for it. I think it's crazy. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer. He's a Super Bowl champion. He's a two-time, three-time MVP off the top of my head. Can't really remember. Again, not really the, the topic of conversation. Aaron Rodgers can ask for that, but he should be told no too. But Caleb Williams, without playing a single snap in the NFL, that rubs me the wrong way. And that, if that's true... I could totally see Caleb Williams as well look around at a team and say, don't draft me, which again, I think is a red flag. It is a red flag for Caleb Williams to say, if you draft me, I want stake and ownership in that team. It is also a red flag if Caleb Williams says, I don't want to be drafted by you. Dude, who are you to pick where you go? This is the deal that you signed up for with the NFL. Now, this is not Caleb Williams slander. He's awesome. But everyone kind of needs to get put in their place in life. And Caleb Williams is overstepping his boundary here, asking for own, whether it's true or not. Whether we all know it's not going to happen, it's too much. It's a red flag. For a guy that didn't play well against U of A, a team that's somewhere between above average and a good college football team, he had like four passes completed at the half. Caleb Williams, make no mistake, was not great in that game. And then the following week, follows it up with a Notre Dame-USC game. Got three picks? Uh, 
focus on the on the on the subject at hand, Caleb Williams. Focus on being a guy to lead your team and not get distracted with the other things that are far away in the future in the NFL draft in telling teams you might not want to go there or telling teams you want a minority stake or ownership of that team. It's crazy. I think if you think differently, it's insane. It's foolish for Caleb Williams to be acting like this. And to just touch on USC just a tad, USC quickly falling down the ranks. And it just seems like too much flash. I don't mean it in like a old head type of way. But in my eyes, USC, they don't really do any smash mouth football thing. It's very, for lack of a better word, pretty boy football. It's really just, we're going to throw the ball deep. Caleb Williams is going to save us. He's going to put us on our back. We don't have a great offensive line. Our defensive line is fine. The defensive secondary is not good. The tackling is not good. It's really just a lot of Caleb Williams. If Lincoln Riley doesn't start getting this figured out, I'm not saying he's going to lose his job. They have invested way too much in Lincoln Riley to be gone so soon. But USC looks to be in more trouble than I thought. There's a lot of transfers there. A lot of transfers. Same with Colorado. You see the same problem over there. I didn't expect USC to be as slow of a cook as I expected Colorado, but I expected more from USC this year, and I expect more from Caleb Williams asking ownership or teams for stakes in teams when he's not playing particularly well. Caleb Williams, going back over to him, is a little overvalued. What do I mean by that? What do I mean by Caleb Williams is a little overhyped? Caleb Williams is a little overrated. What do I mean by that? Well, when I see Nick Wright on FS1 putting him on the top of his quarterback rankings, that's insane. Caleb Williams, right now, there's no argument to be made. He hasn't played a snap in the NFL. He's not better than Joe Burrow. He's not better than Josh Allen. He's not better than Jalen Hurts. He's not better than Lamar Jackson. He's not better than Patrick Mahomes. It's pretty hard for you to argue that he's better than all those top quarterbacks in the NFL. So to ask for a stake in the team when he hasn't been playing well the past few weeks, to say things like leak things out that goes, you know what, maybe I don't want to play with your team. Maybe I'll just stay another year in college. It's a red flag to me, but what do I know? What do I know? It seems like a red flag to me. Don't love that attitude. If we're going to hold the attitude standard to quarterbacks and we're going to grade quarterbacks like Kyler Murray so harshly because of their attitude or Aaron Rodgers because of their attitude, you see a guy like Caleb Williams asking for ownership, a stake, a slice of the pie in a team when he has not playing, has not been playing his best football over the past couple weeks. He seems really unfocused. I don't love it for USC. I don't love it for Caleb Williams. And right now, yes, let me just rephrase or preface myself or repeat myself. Caleb Williams is the best quarterback in the draft. It's probably not very close. But to say, to act like you've been there before when you haven't played a snap in the NFL, not only, in my opinion, does that put a target on your back as the guy that thinks he's better than everyone else, but I can name five, six quarterbacks already better than you in the NFL, which is not crazy. So with that being said, Caleb Williams, 
He's acting a little crazy right now. I don't love it, and I think it's a little bit of a red flag. You know, it feels like every week I'm either talking about the San Francisco 49ers or the Dallas Cowboys, and I try not to repeat myself. I try to keep the show fresh, but we saw this past weekend. Let's talk some some San Francisco 49ers football. Let's talk even more specifically Brock Purdy. You know, I talked about last week, I've had a lot of social media clips go uh, semi-viral with some of my San Francisco 49ers takes. Of course, they're a minute long of a 30-minute podcast, and no one sometimes really seems to, I shouldn't say no one, but sometimes, oftentimes, people will just comment without seeing the full context. So with that being said, let's talk a little bit more Brock Purdy and the San Francisco 49ers. You know, last week, I half apologized to Brock Purdy because I'll admit I was half wrong on Brock Purdy. I didn't think he was this good. Let me preface that by saying I don't think he's a top five quarterback in the NFL. I don't think he's a top 10 quarterback in the NFL. I don't think he's a top 12 quarterback in the NFL. I think he's somewhere between 13 and 15, and I think that's perfectly fair. I think it's perfectly serviceable, and I don't rip into Brock Purdy like I do Dak Prescott because Brock Purdy, his expectations, they're just lower. He was a seventh-round pick. He was mystery relevant. He makes no money compared to Dak Prescott. So I'll wait and see what the money looks like with Brock Purdy because that tells us what Brock Purdy thinks of himself. And then I have to hold Brock Purdy to a higher standard. But here's what I say. Let me defend this take really quickly. Brock Purdy is a somewhere between a 10 to 12 quarterback. Sorry. (laughs) Brock Purdy is somewhere between a 12 to 15 quarterback in the NFL. That's where Brock Purdy lands. I don't know specifically where exactly I would put Brock Purdy, but he's somewhere between 12 and 15 of the NFL hierarchy of quarterbacks. And we've cited this before. I've said he's mostly a product of Kyle Shanahan. There's no shame in that. There's a lot of quarterbacks that are products of their head coaches. Every quarterback is a system quarterback to a T, to a sense. Patrick Mahomes works really well in Chiefs because He has Andy Reid, but also Patrick Mahomes is really freaking good. Brock Purdy, mostly a a, uh, a specimen of what Kyle Shanahan has created. And then you look at the players around him. George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk, CMC, guys like Debo Samuel, Trent Williams anchoring the offensive line, elite left tackle, the best left tackle in football. But what happens? What happens when... When you take some of those weapons away from Brock Purdy, what we saw against Cleveland Browns, the Cleveland Browns were starting P.J. Walker. There's absolutely no reason I get the Cleveland Browns defense is really good. There's absolutely no reason why the San Francisco 49ers should not have walked all over the Cleveland Browns. This is not an indictment on the defense of the San Francisco 49ers. This is not an indictment on the defense of the Cleveland Browns. I totally get the Cleveland Browns defense is good. But you need to beat P.J. Walker. You just do. If Deshaun Watson would have played, it's a little bit of a different story. I think I still come on here and talk about it, but it's a little bit of a different story because you have to add that Deshaun Watson's just a better quarterback probably than Brock Purdy right now. Although, you know, no one really loves to say that because Deshaun Watson's got a lot of problems that even I don't even want to touch with the 20-foot pole. But I digress on that. Brock Purdy, what happens when you take away some of those weapons? Well, we saw it on Sunday. Brock Purdy gets minimalized a little bit. Brock Purdy right now 
is like a really, really good point guard in the NFL. One of my friends said this, and it does make a lot of sense. But then I kind of took it with Brock Purdy's kind of like Rajon Rondo of the NBA. Brock Purdy is like the fourth or fifth most important option on a championship team. If you elude that to the NBA, that knocks Brock Purdy down to like the seventh or eighth thing. There's 11 guys on the field in the NFL. There's five guys on the court in the NBA. Brock Purdy is not asked to make crazy plays. He's not asked to rip up guys' ankles, hit, you know, step back threes. That's not what Brock Purdy is. Brock Purdy's job, like Rajon Rondo, facilitate. Find guys that are open. Be really precise. Brock Purdy is very similar to Rajon Rondo in the role of a championship team. Guys like Debo Samuel, guys like CMC, players like George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk, Trent Williams, Kyle Shanahan. Brock Purdy isn't asked to be carrying this team because, again, everyone knows his limitations. So you take away CMC. You take away Debo Samuel. You only have certain players out there that can help you. You, Instead of having four elite Pro Bowl-type caliber weapons, you have one, you have two, and Brock Purdy can't carry you. That shows you right there. He's not a top-eight quarterback. He's not a top-six quarterback. He's not a top-ten quarterback. Somewhere between 12 and 15. There's nothing wrong with that. Brock Purdy's been awesome for what he's been asked to be. A seventh-round pick, he's been objectively awesome. But it's important to to say to yourself, okay, we have a clearer image of what Brock Purdy is. Instead of when he has four or five elite Pro Bowl pieces and he just has, you know, one or two Pro Bowl guys, he can't carry the team. And you see the limitations. That's why it's so important that the players around him and that the defense helps and that also the head coach is able to facilitate more than he can. It's very Rajon Rondo-esque. If you asked Rajon Rondo to carry the Boston Celtics, it wouldn't work. But if you have Rajon Rondo with Kevin Garnett, Ray Allen, Paul Pierce, players off the bench, good head coach, and Doc Rivers at the time to lead the way and he can help facilitate, it's very much Brock Purdy. And that's okay. It is okay to admit Brock Purdy is a 12 to 15, maybe even a 16th best quarterback. But he's done everything that's asked of him. He doesn't make a ton of money. He doesn't deserve a ton of criticism because he's came in as a seventh round pick and been awesome for the standards that are held to a seventh round pick. But if you take away those weapons, Brock Purdy's pretty limited. There's not a lot of special there. He's very precise, he's very accurate but he's not going to win you every single game in the book. And Sunday showed the limitations of Brock Purdy. You know, I really can't go much further without discussing the elephant in the room that was Monday Night Football in the Los Angeles Chargers and Justin Herbert. You know, I wanted to talk about the Dallas Cowboys and Dak Prescott and how When it mattered the most, he missed Tony Pollard in the end zone to win the game, to put the nail in the coffin. But Justin Herbert stopped me, preventing me from doing that. He said, you know what, Mr. Garcia, I'm going to take the place of Dak Prescott this week, and that's exactly what we're going to do. Justin Herbert signed a five-year, 
$262 million contract. A top five contract quarterback-wise in the NFL. Now, doesn't kick in for a couple more years, but for Justin Herbert, it can't go unnoticed anymore. I talked about this a couple weeks ago. I was one of those guys who said, listen, Tua Tungvaloa, is he better than Justin Herbert? And even I still not a 1,000% sure I can buy into that. Justin Herbert has it all. Big, strong, fast, accurate, mobile, great in the pocket. Sometimes you question some of his decision makings because Justin Herbert is oftentimes a little too careful. This is a take I had over like a year and a half ago. Seems like Herbert doesn't like to go off script a ton. It's really one read, two read, safe, robotic Justin Herbert, throw ball away. And again, it's not a terrible way to play quarterback. It's a very efficient conservative way to play quarterback. But oftentimes in high-leverage situations, we see Justin Herbert kind of crumble a little bit. Now, this is where I'll defend Justin Herbert. This is where I'll say Justin Herbert does deserve a little bit of slack. He's carrying this franchise. This I, I'm not selling my Justin Herbert stock similar, similarly to when I wasn't selling my Josh Allen stock in week one. In week one, people were ready to sell off Josh. I, that, that made no sense to me. That hurt my brain to even think about. People were saying Josh Allen was bad because the Jets' defense was just really good. It's week one. Weird things happen in week one. But Justin Herbert, you know, people were all cool with. And I said, I'm not selling my Josh Allen stock just yet. And now, I kind of dug into Justin Herbert a little. He's not great with the game on the line. Although, he is, he's, you know, he's conservative. Those kind of things, conservative, not great with the time, you know, time management, trying to get guys lined up, trying to win the game. When the game is on the line, Justin Herbert has been less than advertised. So let's just leave it at that. It's really dicey to get into when, it's, when you talk about Justin Herbert and that because, again, he's got all the tangibles, big. Fast, strong, smart kid. A guy who's very mobile in the pocket, delivers strikes, and just makes your jaw drop with some of the throws he makes. But sometimes, again, a little too robotic. One read, two read, throws it away. This is where I'll defend Justin Herbert. This is where I'll explain to you that I'm not selling my Justin Herbert stock just yet, just like a lot of other people. At first... I came on here and was like, I'm going to rip Justin Herbert a new one. I'm going to rip him a new one. He was not great. He was pretty much the reason why they lost that game on the surface level because you just look at the pick that he made, that he had to seal the game. Justin Herbert is carrying this franchise. This defense is bad. This coach is bad. So I'll say it again. Justin Herbert is carrying this Los Angeles Chargers franchise. The defense, although exceedingly expensive, is just not good. Can't get a stop. Can't stop a nosebleed. Brandon Staley is a little Cliff Kingsbury-esque where he looks like a coach. He talks like a coach. He does command a room pretty well just with his aura. He looks like a head coach. But he's not an NFL head coach. Brandon Staley, I hate to rip into guys 
who have that job for a reason. You know, obviously, he's paid his dues. Brandon Staley is so bad at, at, at everything when it comes to a head coach. You know, you like to see a head coach, when they come in, you can say, how good is the coach? Robert Sala. You know, for me, I've been highly critical of Robert Sala. I'm like, defensive guy, can he coach, can he motivate? What am I supposed to say about that? You know, Robert Sala is able to completely transform that Jets defense. He's able to motivate incredibly well. Brandon Staley can't do any of that. Brandon Staley can't get his side of the ball correct. The defense is atrocious. Brandon Staley is not good. The defense is horrible. Justin Herbert has been without Mike Williams. He's been without Austin Eckler. He just barely got Austin Eckler back. Justin Herbert's carrying this franchise. I can't completely sell my Justin Herbert stock right now without giving him a fair shake. His coach is bad. He's always having, he's always having constant injuries. Always. He's always got players injured. Keenan Allen's always got a soft tissue injury. Mike Williams is always injured, and now he's done for the year. Austin Eckler rolls an ankle. Last year's offensive line completely depleted. We saw Rashawn Slater go down. This is the problem. Justin Herbert is having to carry this franchise. So I have to table the Justin Herbert hate. I have to give him time to be able to settle into his own, get teams, teammates, get a coach, get players that are able to surround him and help him collectively do what he does best. But for now, you can't sell your Justin Herbert stock. If you're selling your Justin Herbert stock, you're doing it without giving him a fair shake. His defense is bad. He's always dealing with injuries on his team. He never has all of his weapons aside from week one. And Brandon Staley is just really, really bad. Ownership, not great either. They should have fired Brandon Staley last year when they had the chance and got someone else. But they could possibly, the the solution to this, firing Brandon Staley and going and getting Ben Johnson. If Justin Herbert has the same problems with Ben Johnson or an offensive coordinator S guy who can come and be his head coach, we'll have a different discussion. But Justin Herbert is carrying this franchise. And I think you're doing a disservice by writing him off right now. 